Hello, Four Sober Chicks podcast listeners. We are Heather, Meredith, Dana, and Tracy, four women recovering out loud. We gather here from around the world to discuss all things related to alcohol addiction, sobriety, and various paths to recovery. We get real about the highs, the lows, and the amazing reality of living a sober life. This podcast is a creative collaboration by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Fourth Over Six Podcast. Uh, We are all coming to you live from definitely different parts of the world. Um, as we always do, but I'm Meredith, and I'm always joined by Tracy, Heather, and Dana, and then today, we have an awesome guest. Her name is Jen Couch, and she is the founder and creator of the Sober Sis community and a leader in the Sober Curious movement. She lives in Fort Worth, Texas with her husband of 27 years and has two adult children in their young 20s. Sober Sis was born Christmas Day of 2017, and since then, more than 200,000 women have downloaded her free happy hour survival guide and over 30,000 have participated in her 21 day reset challenge. Those numbers are growing every month as she works hard to get the message out to more women. She's a motivational speaker and the author of a book called Look Alive Sis coming out in spring. And she also has a retreat coming up in April that I believe will definitely touch on that. Um, today, Jennifer, but if you want to kind of let people know at the end where it is, how they can enroll, if enrollment is still open. Um, But with that, I am introducing Jennifer. I'm so thankful that we were able to do this. I know we've had some technical issues, but here we are, and we are going to love to get to know you a little bit more. Oh, I love it. Thank you all for, for having me. I've never said that before. And I think this is so cool. I think y'all are so awesome being four sober chicks. And um, I'm very honored and pleasure to be here. And I'm glad it worked out. To me, anytime there's there's a little opposition or obstacle in getting together with someone or doing something, it usually means that it's really worth it and that it's really going to be great. So that tells me that there's going to be a great conversation here. So I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, with that, kind of just let us know where your alcohol-free journey started and, and kind of how that transitioned to really where you are at now. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, you know, everyone's story is so different and so unique, yet there are so many common threads that we can all relate with and identify with. But my story actually started a little bit later in life. I didn't even really become, quote, a drinker until my early 30s. Um, I was not a drinker in my college years or in my 20s. I mean, I'd have one here and there, totally didn't like the taste, take it or leave it, I'm leaving it. It wasn't my thing at all, which cue up the music for my 30s. That's part of the, the journey that I've been on is how subtly and slowly this relationship with alcohol did enter in in my adult years as the working married mom. I was not, you know, like, let's go crazy, you know, college student. I was the, um, I was the mom that found myself at multiple happy hours and networking events. And one of my friends just said, Hey, Jen, why don't you get a glass of wine with us? And I thought to myself, why don't I seriously, why don't I? And I literally started to set out on a journey 
to almost like adult with everyone else and kind of become a drinker. I know that sounds crazy to y'all. Y'all are like, what? Yeah, I really kind of set out to kind of catch up to everybody else around me because I was way behind um, and it felt fun. I'll tell y'all the first drink I had where I was consciously choosing to drink to, to alter the way I felt, it worked. It worked immediately. And I thought, well, hello, there it is. That's the big fuss. That's what this is all about. And it's not only legal and encouraged, it's glamorized and it's like promoted. So this is awesome. That was my initial feeling was like, oh, this is why everyone drinks. Oh, this is why, you know, my, you know, in-laws have box wine at the beach. Like I get it now. Like this is awesome. And so that was my entry point into drinking was an immediate like delayed reaction almost. And um, I went in pretty naive. Actually, I didn't have a cautionary tale around me. Both of my parents um, were non-drinkers. I grew up where alcohol was not a big part of my home. So, and my husband and I did not drink together as an activity when we were first married. So for me, I'm just kind of walking in kind of blind eyed and goosey tailed, just like, this is fun. Yeah. And so, no, it took me my thirties to really discover, oh, there's the other side of alcohol as well. Oh, it's not all fun and games. In fact, you've got to pay up, pay the Pied Piper for that 20, 30 minutes of buzz. Ooh, I got to have more to feel the same. Oh, I need to be chasing this feeling all night long. Oh, okay. So that was me in my 30s. A lot of catching up, a lot of epic fails. Like it's embarrassing to be 35 years old and throwing up in a parking lot because you had one too many too fast on a date night with your husband and you're paying a babysitter. Like that happened to me. And it felt shameful. It felt frustrating. It felt quite honestly confusing. Like I just needed to do it better. Like I just needed to giddy on up and and learn how to just kind of hold it better. So by the time I turned 40, I built up a great amount of tolerance to be able to hang with pretty much anybody, but the dependency was starting to rise and that's that gray area drinking zone. Woo, I was starting to feel it like, whoa, I'm really looking forward to five o'clock a lot. Now I can still walk away. I can still like do the whole 30. I'm doing my workouts by day. I'm you know juicing my, my green juice. I'm eating my kale. I'm doing all the things by day. So I'm really bumping it all up till five o'clock, that wine o'clock time. And, you know, I would stop, start, stop, start. I was kind of a yo-yo drinker, a lot of moderating. A lot of moderating worked for me. Again, kind of going back to that gray area, I would say 80% of the time I had this false illusion that drinking was working for me, that it was kind of fun, that it was serving me, that it was and because I didn't have... Um, external consequences or things were I'm sure heading that direction though I will say it is a one-way highway I believe and it's just where you get, where you enter and where you exit off and I got a I got a late uh entry on the highway and I feel very blessed and thankful that I got a fairly early exit off the highway as well but I tell you there's no difference between me and anyone who got on earlier and left later because I just happened to, to get on later and leave earlier. And so um, right before, I'm trying to like condense this, right before I turned 46. Um, so I'd been drinking at that point 10, 15 years. I mean, so I'd put in some, put in some time. 
<laughs> with the old vino. We gotten close and uh, definitely, you know, leaning on the crutch of the old vino there big time, emotionally, mentally, physically, uh, it still kind of looked like everybody else. But um, it was right before I turned 46. I realized this is just no way to live. I tell you what, I've got to show up differently at 50 than I did 40. And because I crossed that 45 mark, I saw 50 kind of in the horizon, like it was coming. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to be 15, 20 pounds of overweight. I'm going to be exhausted, sluggish, foggy brain. And I'm going to just show up at every freaking happy hour and patio I can find in my 50s and just be a drinker all the time. <laughs> because there'll be nothing stopping me. My kids will have grown and flown. And I just don't want to be that person when I show up at 50, just to be kind of just not my best self. And so at 46, I set out on this incredible journey. I didn't realize where it would take me. This sober, curious journey where I thought, you know what? I don't have to stop drinking, meaning again, my life's, I don't have any of those external forces. It's all internal forces. Boy, they're pressing in on me though. I know this is not God's best. And so I just set out on this sober, curious journey by um, just starting out with just taking taking a break. But instead of taking a break, like I'd always taken a break, I really set out to learn. I set out to learn as much as I could about alcohol and how it was affecting my body, my mind, and my spirit. And that journey catapulted me into, um, you know, hitting these first initial milestones of six weeks. Oh my gosh, I didn't drink for six weeks. Well, I'd done that before, but this time it was different. Then I bumped it to like, can I not drink for a hundred days and still be fun? Can I not drink for a hundred days and still connect with my husband? What will I do with my social life? All of my friends drink. And so I just kept bumping that, that goal until before I knew it, I looked up and I had hit that one year of being alcohol free through a lot of, of, of challenge. I mean, we can talk about that more. I know I'm talking a lot here, but we can talk about that more where I think the challenge of being in that gray area drinking zone is so easy to go back because there's nobody there's nothing making you keep going forward outside of just your own choices. There's no one else really holding you accountable. You haven't lost something to the point that it's right there in your face. Kind of everything's still good. Everything's still kind of seemingly working. So I think that's a really challenging area for women to take that break because it's more proactive. Um, and again, we talked about wherever you get on or wherever you get off, it's it's all good because it's ultimately all the same. It's just, where are you? And so for me, that was probably the biggest challenge is I could go back to drinking like nobody would know or care. Like it doesn't really matter, but it matters to me. And so long story getting shorter, um, I did show up at 50 different than I did 40. I didn't show up with a bikini bod and make my life perfect, but I did show up wholehearted. I did show up feeling um, freedom. And now I'm coming up on 52 this May. And I've been six years alcohol-free. That's yeah. amazing. Um, That's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> but, it, but I feel like, I mean, obviously with that type of story, I'm assuming you thought at one point, because this is why we're here on this podcast, is there's got to be more people who feel the way that we do. There's got to be, we can't be the only ones who don't, I mean, all of us have been sober for, I mean, combined a, a very long time, but it's one of those things where we solely believe, and we say this all the time, you don't have to choose to not drink alcohol because you hit a rock bottom. I hope people don't hit a rock bottom because that's what I went through 
And if we can prevent that, and I genuinely believe that gray area is where you can catch those people of being like, dude, you don't have to have everything taken from you in order to realize alcohol is not serving you. Like you can be a moderate drinker, question your relationship with alcohol and just stop. Um, but yeah, like how you were saying that you, as a moderate drinker, you could have started and no one would have thought. And that's because this day and age, sometimes when you don't drink, that's more of a, you don't what, you know, like that's more of a weird thing than you actually drinking because it is so common and it's so accepted that it's mind blowing to me that I'm like, wow, no one was ever like, Hey, you used to be a meth addict. You want to try some meth? Like, <laughs> Just that's on the not, weekends, that's not the just on Fridays. No. Yeah, just on Fridays, so, just have a couple of kids. You'll be totally. fine. So I have a question. We've been hearing this term, um, gray drink, you know, gray area drinking. Can you define what that is? Because I, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it's a great question. And um, I'm, I'm friends with Jolene Park, who did a TED Talk on gray area drinking, which I would highly recommend anyone watching. Um, she's outstanding. And uh, this whole concept of gray area drinking was a big part of what got me unstuck because I thought that it was all black and white, all or nothing. You are, quote, that normie, that normal drinker that can take it or leave it. And alcohol means nothing to you. It's just nothing. It's just a pleasantry that you have at a wedding once a year or boom, full-blown alcoholic rehab, rock bottom. You lost it all, man. Whoa. Pick one. And I couldn't pick one. Neither one was me. And so this whole concept of alcohol use dependency or disorder, this AUD label, uh, I guess it's now more out there as a diagnosis more than alcoholic is actually denoting that there is a spectrum of alcohol use and there's a spectrum of dependency on alcohol as well. And so this gray area drinking is fitting in the middle of that drinking spectrum where you're beginning to notice, yes, I do have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Um, I would say for a gray area drinker, it's definitely the mental emotional hook is in there first. And then I think the further you progress down the drinking spectrum and the drinking highway, the physical starts to become more and more apparent and it becomes more difficult physically to stop. And that's where on, on down the line, and again, I don't know where y'all all exited off the highway, but at some point you can't just say, I'm going to stop drinking today physically. You have to have more support in that area. So I think a gray area drinker, one of the markers is you really can't stop on your own um, anytime. You can physically stop on your own. And, um, you know, I, I did not work a 12-step program, not against it all. I think all the recovery options out there are all needed. Again, this is a big highway. Let's create as many lanes as possible for people to, to get on the non-drinking, the alcohol-free highway, get off the drinking highway, get on this highway. And I just think there's so much room for conversation. And, you know, sure. some, some people can just kind of work on it slowly over time. Some people, it's got to be drastic, get in the fast lane, shut it down. I cannot do this one more day anymore. And um, so I think that gray area, I just wrote a post on Instagram about it today, in fact, and it is what is sober curiosity. And it does give you a little bit more leeway of exploration, experimentation. Um, so I think at that point in the drinking spectrum, you have some options still where even drinking less is a real viable option 
that will ultimately I, lead you to not drinking at all because you know how good you feel. Does yeah, you said it does make sense. And you mentioned you had tried many times to get off the exit, the highway, but then you came back. But then there was this one time where it was different. What made that time different? Yeah. And I think for me, that's when I did start hearing the word sober curious and started hearing about the kind of the positive side of, of not drinking. Um, you know, I think Meredith said it's so, it's so glamorized. It's almost like, well, if you're not drinking, what's wrong with you versus you're not drinking good for you. What's wrong with people who are drinking poison every day <laughs> and acting we like get that's it all the normal. time. It's not normal to drink poison every day or throughout the day or every night. Um, and so for me, it was kind of like I needed to shift off of I'm not drinking because I can't drink or I'm not drinking because I'm an alcoholic or I'm not drinking. I'm drinking. I'm choosing an alcohol free lifestyle or I'm choosing to not drink tonight because of what I'm gaining, not of something I'm losing or what I've lost or what I'm losing by even not drinking. I'm not really losing anything by not drinking other than the hangover, of course. But I think that that was that was a big deal is almost like, wait, what am I gaining? Not what am I losing? And what's going on with these cravings? I really thought I was really broken or flawed. Like, surely nobody else has these five o'clock cravings like I do. Maybe I just need more willpower. Maybe I just need more more of that. Like, you know what I apply to my daily workout. Maybe I just apply that to five o'clock and just try harder. And so it was a mental tug of war for me. It was a mental game. And, and I think that's true for any and everyone trying to change the relationship with drinking. Sure. It really is the battlefield of the mind before it becomes yeah. the battlefield of the body. Cause we and you can, mentioned we you, control that. yeah. And then you mentioned, and I know Heather, you want to speak, but you mentioned a little bit about at that time as well, you started to research and you started to, you know, figure out what was going on, why maybe you had these cravings, why this was kind of taking over your thinking, your life. And so just, you know, what were some of those tools that you initially went to, to help you figure it yeah, out? Absolutely. Well, and that's when this was, uh, well, coming up on six years ago. So that's when I do feel like there was a shift in the sober minded movement, if you will, where more podcasts and more books were starting to come out with this kind of different angle of looking at drinking. Um, so in 2017, that summer, I did several programs, uh, online virtual communities. I read, oh, a dozen books, uh, probably listened to 400 podcasts that year. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I literally traded my wine o'clock habit for like mom pods. What can I listen to at five o'clock while I'm cooking that tells me again, why, why am I not drinking right now? Remind me, like I needed the reminder because I had no visual reminder of why I wasn't drinking because everything in my life was the same. My husband still drinks. My kids were still stressing me out. All my friends were still meeting for margaritas on a Thursday night. I was like, wait, why am I not drinking again? Wait, I forgot. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like how divided I feel, but um, knowing that I wasn't alone, even then I had not found my community yet that I was mm -hmm. looking for that kind of met what I was needing in a community part of why I created it. <laughs> I created what I wished I could have found. Um, but I did start to dabble in various things that were starting at that time. And it just, it was the catalyst for me. It was like looking at my relationship with alcohol from a different stance was like the lead domino for me. And then it got into more and more. And then I just couldn't learn enough. I just couldn't get into the science enough. 
So when you mentioned, you know, sober curious, that term really kind of allowed you to start this process and like look at your relationship with alcohol. And I know that when, you know, from reading your bio that there are words that you don't use like sober and alcoholic and alcoholism and disease and addiction recovery. Um, so maybe talk, if you could talk a little bit about what that looks like within the, the community that you've created and sober the sober cis community and how people have responded to that because you know we've all come to this in a different place Dana will be able to share she you know she has a different perspective as well but like I just drove my car into the end of the highway like I just that was how I had to like stop so the terminology I'm not as sensitive to but I do acknowledge that I should have stopped 10 years before five years before, but I had this, I'm not that bad. I haven't hit rock bottom. I'm still cool. I'm good kind of mentality, which was a very wonderful tool for denial for me. Um, and so I just continue on. So I do love this. Um, and we really support all forms of recovery as well. I love this concept that there is now a conversation where people can enter at any point and have a tribe right? If we know community is one of the biggest components of recovery. So if you could talk a little bit about language and then kind of the sober cis community. For sure. And I will tell you this, I would say from 40 to 45, for me, those five years were when I was probably the, that whole five years, I was really wanting to change my relationship with alcohol. But because to your point, which is exactly right, Every time I looked around, I got, I, I have a whole little excerpt on this in my book, The Comparison Trap. Every the better side. I mean, we make it that way too. I mean, it's all relative, so we can always do that. Um, which really me trapped in that so many of the quote right things. So I think I'm so uh, I use when I e be aware, aware and present in your own life. I do want that, and I think I. Um, I'm a person of faith, worldview. There's a Bible that says, um, be your mind. Okay. Well, what does that mean? That means to look a lot, sis, that's the name of your book. <laughs> that's not a plug. It's just why I named it my book. Look alive, sis, be of sober mind because there, there are challenges in life and you gotta, you gotta look alive. And so to me, it's more like sober mindedness. Okay. Now, if I'm looking at sober mindedness, I'm not trying to abstain from a substance. I'm actually looking at what I can do to be more present in my own life. Does alcohol help me do that? Absolutely not. It totally takes me out of my own presence and the presence of other people. It dulls everything about us. It takes us out of reality, which is part of its lure. <laughs> it alters reality for just a brief moment in time. You are suspended in, in reality stops. If you don't like the way things are going, 
drink it down, drink it up. And, and for just a minute in time, you've paused reality, but it comes right back like a freight train. And so this concept of sober-mindedness becomes less about alcohol and more about what you're doing in your own life to be all there. Everywhere you are, be all there. And so this concept of sober-minded allows more discussion, I think, and more personal growth opportunities than, uh, than limiting to just alcohol. However, that was the biggest thing that was taking my presence away. So that's why I talk about alcohol the way I do, because that was my number one enemy, if you will, to sober-minded living was my negative, unhealthy, numbing out relationship with alcohol most evenings. So um, I like that. And I also say, you know, I'm I'm sober-minded and I'm choosing to live an alcohol-free lifestyle. To me, people are gluten-free, they're sugar-free, they're vegan. I'm alcohol-free. And I like that because to me, it's 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 less of a label. It's more of a lifestyle choice. And I can really, I can really get behind that and own that in my own life. I am on a health and wellness journey. I was poisoning myself on a regular basis. That doesn't line up with me at all. It doesn't align with who I am or who I want to be. So that's another one of the many reasons why I choose an alcohol-free lifestyle. And so I do use that language because I do know that for me, if I were, you know, swiping through Instagram, which I wasn't even really on Instagram when I was struggling the most because I didn't even know that all these communities were out there. It's so great with social media now. I mean, social media has a blessing and a curse, right, ladies? Uh, but it's so great just to find each other. And um, so there was a lot of aloneness too and thinking everybody was having fun. Everyone loved drinking except for me and people who were at the end of the line. <laughs> and it was like, that's not the case. And so I think using words like sober curious, alcohol-free lifestyle, sober-minded living does perk the ears of people who would not necessarily uh, respond to hearing the word addiction, disease, recovery, because they that either they're not there yet or they don't want to be there or that doesn't, it's just not, it's just, it's what they're trying to avoid. You know what I mean? It's almost like it's the highway. It's the spectrum. If you're a five and you don't want to be an eight, you don't want to hear eight language. You want to stay a five or go down. I mean, just talking numbers here. And so not, not that it's that literal <laughs> or that, that, you know, precise, but all I'm saying is, Okay, if I feel like I can, uh, this whole highway get on, get off. This ele you've heard the elevator. You know, you had a, you had a, uh, you got to get off the elevator earlier. All that kind of language just allows for more curiosity, I think. And without ostracizing anyone on the highway itself, because listen, if you're just getting on the highway and you're younger or you're new to drinking, like I was at 32, hey, listen, if, you, if you're just getting on the highway and you don't like the way it makes you feel and you're like, again, going back to my weird example of a one through 10, you're a two. Hey, guess what? You don't have to go to a five. You can get off the highway. You don't even have to get into the gray area. You don't, It doesn't even have to get unhealthy. You can, you can give alcohol a go and see what the big deal is and then go, nope, I can see it's pitfalls. There's enough conversation that is even educating people about that. And that's, I mean, that's exciting to me as someone who is further down the drinking spectrum that people won't have to get as far as I got either, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I, um, 
I resonate with your story a lot because I didn't start drinking until I turned 40. <laughs> so I took a very, I, I, I got on that highway and I put my go-kart in speed mode and I took off. <laughs> you messed the gas. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad I got off. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's amazing how those things happen, especially like if you haven't had that alcohol in your life the whole time, like I didn't have it in college. I didn't, I, you know, I got very drunk one night in high school. I was like 15 years old and I was like, I'm never doing this again. And I didn't until I <laughs> 40. Um, That's so, amazing. Yeah. So I, I feel your path um, a lot. And I wonder sometimes, you know, language comes up a lot with the things that I do in, in my work and, and words matter. And mm -hmm. I wonder if those folks that don't resonate with those words, like alcoholic or addiction or things, they're thinking of them with the stigma, right? And that's all what we're trying to do is to get rid of the stigma around those words. So I appreciate all of the different meetings and all of the ways that we try and say the same thing and, and be inclusive about it for everybody. So I appreciate that very much. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's amazing. And you know what, you know, what's, what's awesome, Dana is um, the more I've worked with women, the more I realize we're not as, as one-off or unique as I thought we were by being later in life drinkers. I've worked with a lot of women now who didn't start drinking until their kids left for college or, you know, they were married 25 years, got divorced, and then alcohol stepped mm -hmm. in. I mean, so a lot of it is life season, life stage, and just kind of like, you know, however alcohol enters our world, it sometimes is through what seems like kind of just a, a positive way, like it's fun now, or through a crisis or a tragedy. And we all know, I'm curious what y'all saw in the um, pandemic and with COVID. Oh my goodness. Sober Sis was already up and running at that time. So I already had the infrastructure of a community to be able to handle really, quite honestly, the influx that I saw in really mid to late 2020 and 2021. It was almost like there was a collective hangover, societal, mm -hmm. cultural hangover of like, whoa, people who had not struggled really in their relationship with alcohol, or at least were not aware that they were on the highway and that it was heading in one direction. They accelerated, uh, they accelerated on that highway rather quickly. I, I definitely would have, if I had not already been alcohol free at that time, I would have really been hitting the gas pedal and, um, you know, doing the quarantinis with my friends on zoom, mm, that would have been me. For sure. And so no judgment at all. But I know that that was a major, uh, major data point. If you if you look at all the statistics around women and alcohol, people and alcohol, but especially women. Oh, my gosh, we can we're, we're women here. So we can talk all day long about marketing and messaging to women specifically about alcohol. And that's something I'm really passionate about bringing to the forefront and saying, guys, gals, I should say we've been duped. We're being played out there. And um, and I think the more awareness we bring to the rosé all day memes and the messaging around alcohol will also help just that awareness factor. And uh, I just made a reel yesterday. There I am in Target, you know, and I'm like passing by what used to be the uh, snack bar is now all wine and beer at, at my local Target. And um, I used to take my kids there to get ices and popcorn 
because we went to the grocery store. Now I'm like, wow, it's full blown. And so I walked by and I played that music where everyone's clapping, like on the TikTok or Instagram. And I just walked by the wine and I was like, I mean, that's what it's come to now. And, and it's because it's in our face. Well, I, I, you know, I want to commend you, Jennifer, because I think what you're doing is really interesting. You are, you're addressing the issue before maybe it becomes a bigger issue. It's mm -hmm. like, I think we've all been there to, you know, hey, I was in college, I would get drunk, I would pass out or black out, get up the next day, oh, we had a great time, let's go out again tonight. You know, it's like, it wasn't like, Tracy, are you okay? You know, you passed out by a tree last night and your boyfriend had to pick you up and get you home safe and you don't remember it. It wasn't, so you're educating, you're edu but you know, I, I know I probably didn't feel good about that. You know, it didn't make me feel good. I didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't at my best. I can, I really relate to you. The reason why I stopped drinking was because it limited my capabilities. I knew what I was capable of as a, you know, professional wife, friend, sister, everything. And when I, how, how my drinking got to no longer was I capable anymore of doing, of being the best me. And had I had maybe the edge, you know, a, a community to go to, that could relate and be like, Hey, I, you know, I, I was, I felt like that too. I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, when you, when you start to like in the COVID area, maybe the best such explanation, because I think there were drinkers that were social drinkers, but then they started to become more than that because they were drinking for other reasons. They were isolated. And then they're noticing like, this is, this is not how I like to drink. This is, this is different. This doesn't make me feel good. And if that's the gray area drinking, then now they have somewhere to go to and say, what's going on with me? And I don't like what this is, what's happening. What are my options and choices? So if that's kind of, yeah. Exactly. It's like pulling off the drinking highway, but not saying that you're never going to be on the highway because that's for a gray area drinker to start with the prospect of never drinking again, like right out of the gate is, is probably too much. I couldn't have started with, okay, I'm going to set this margarita down. That was my last drink. I'm going to set it down and I'm never drinking again, starting today. Okay, whatever. I I kind of had that pipe dream in my mind that I wanted yeah. that, but that was not my starting point. I needed to know that I could literally stop for a minute, get my bearings, get my clarity, and then see if I could moderate how alcohol would fit in for me. Now, as I became more clear and sober-minded, it became more obvious to me alcohol was not a drug to be moderated, that it was actually addictive in and of itself. I wasn't broken or flawed that actually my brain on alcohol was working as it should. <laughs> it was actually creating that thirst and desire for itself. So when I took that like moral failure or try harder, maybe I'm just broken. I just need to alcohol and I just need to try harder together and remove that out of the way that I couldn't have done that initially. I had to do that gradually because my drinking had gradually crept up like that. And so I had to gradually kind of learn about it and exit off that highway and have that space to not make any declaration, not, you know, I don't know. Absolutely. You know. And that's, I mean, there's a term one day at a time. I mean, that's even right. today being over two and a half years sober, I still have to say that sometimes just today. Just you know, because, right. Because if you look too far ahead in the future and I'm never going to be, you know, who wants to be told they can never do something. 
but today I'm going to choose not to. So, yeah. 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 But you're so right. Just having that place. It's almost like pulling off the, the drinking highway and going to one of those rest stops. You know, picture yourself on a road trip. You just, you want to pull over to the rest stop. You want to pop the hood. You've got some warning lights coming on. I sure did. I had warning lights, you know, check engine oil, beep, beep, running low, you know, so I needed to pull over, pop the hood and my whole car hadn't crashed yet. Uh, again, not to say that it wouldn't give me another decade, Heather. I mean, I could have been right there too. So it, it's just timing. And so um, I, I pulled off that highway, popped the hood of my own life, looked in. Oh, yeah. Okay. I definitely need more of this, less of this. And then decided to get back on the highway. But I got on the non-drinking highway instead. But it was because of that rest stop and pulled over. And while I was at that rest stop, that's when I realized, oh, my gosh, you're here too. Oh, there's other cars here. There's other cars here. And the, the cars can still drive. They can still choose what highway they get on. Uh, but a lot of us are wanting to get on this different highway. Well, maybe let's travel together. And and that's been really awesome. That's amazing. So tell us about your book, because that comes out real quick. And then also about your retreat. What does that look like? Um, yeah. What are you providing? What can people expect? Well, first off, you're all invited. Okay. I know Abhijabi's <laughs> far for the flight, but you know, you've still got time. We can make this work. Um, so the retreat I'm having is the first retreat I've had live for my community. And now it's open to the sober curious, the alcohol free community. So it's open to all women at any point in the spectrum, on the highway, off the highway, on the highway, we're going to take an alcohol free weekend to be together. It's in Dallas, Texas. April 21st through the 23rd. And if you go to the link in my bio on Instagram, that's probably the best place for me to send anyone who wants more details, buy a ticket and come. We will welcome you with open arms. You can literally come to this event and know no one and leave with a couple of hundred, 300 or so besties that get it because it's a common denominator that I mean already with y'all I feel a bond because we've done something mm -hmm. that's challenging together in alcohol centric society and so I think that's that's pretty remarkable so there's a respect and a bond there and and an admiration and a compassion for each other that I'm going to take into a live situation and make it real that you can touch in a room and so we celebrate any woman who's anywhere on the sober curious journey or alcohol free lifestyle. And um, it is all centered around, I'm going to hold it up, ladies, my book, Look Alive Sis. It's not even up for pre order yet. So, like, y'all are getting first, first abuse. It's, I'm really excited about this. It's a 40 day reader. So, it's 40 days to awaken your sober mind. And so it's these little stories and it's so fun, Heather, because some of the things that you talked about, like I have a little chapter, a little, it's not even a chapter, it's shorter than that, called Comparison Trap. I have one called Great Area Drinking. I have one called uh, Playing It Forward. So, you know, knowing your why, these are the kinds of things that I talk about in my 21 Day Reset Challenge. Um, I have one called Alcohol's Insufficiency, <laughs> like how it's not great, how it doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't do all that it promises, like um, our sober-minded life is giving us everything that alcohol promised us. And um, so, yeah, I'm super duper excited about the book coming out in April, the event in April, and um, 
women can find a lot of these links. I'm kind of sending everybody right now to good old Instagram because there's a link tree there with all the links in one place. And there is a lot going on right now. It's very exciting. Beautiful. And we love to see things, of course, that are centered around this flourish. Um, I feel, you know, as, as, as you've been talking, like I think back to my journey and I do have the type of personality where I did have to hit my version of rock bottom. But then I also look at before that to where I would hear the term alcoholic and I'm like, that's not me. And I was there, you know? So I do feel for some people, myself included, that was like Heather said, kind of part of that denial. I knew, I knew what that looked like, but I, you know, my drinking didn't really ramp up until I became a mom. And that I think looking back like that is the one that like sticks me in the heart. I'm just like, oh, okay. I, I couldn't handle all of, all of it. My childhood trauma, I couldn't handle the craziness. I just couldn't handle life at that point. But I was also looking at all these other perfect moms on social media to where I genuinely feel like truth in advertising is not happening right now to where I was like, if someone wants to see what this alcoholic drink will do to them, they need to show someone completely how and yes. say, if you want to feel like this, drink our alcohol. <laughs> they right. need to show you the results of their product, not this glamorous, you know, life, because that is what is trapping so many people. And like you said, whether that's um, someone who maybe can moderate or whatever the case may be, like when it's broken down to its basic level, it is so not good for you. So not good for you. Any and amount, again, like, any amount, the any science amount. is definitive. It is out there. Yep. Even one drink yep. brings you no yep. benefits. Even the red wine and the reservatrol and the heart, no, even the American Heart Association has come out and said, there is no favorable, beneficial yep. amount of alcohol for your body. Thanks guys. Yep. That's the truth. And I, I so agree with you, Meredith, if they would, if it's the product's product. I mean, if you're, if you're watching commercials, if they would really show the reality, nobody would buy their product. That's why they have to, to sell the, what you might get from their product, not the actual product itself. Or like the side by side of here's what I think I look like. And here's actually what I look yeah, like. Yeah. Or you, y'all probably heard that meme, Alco but alcohol told me I was a good dancer, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 100%. Well, Jen, we thank you so much for your time. Um, we love absolutely what you're doing. Um, and we are here to help and promote that in any way we possibly can. Well, thank you so much, awesome. Jennifer. I can't wait thank to get you. to know each one of you better as we're in this community together on the same team, wanting to help as many women as we can find freedom and, and yep. do that together. So I'm excited to, to keep following your stories and getting to know you better too. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Well, until thank next you. time. Thanks guys. Thank yes. You. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you and wish you the best on your sober adventures. For more information and details on upcoming episodes, check us out on YouTube or Instagram at 4SoberChicks. That's number 4SoberChicks. We welcome your feedback and look forward to being with you on the next episode.